Welcome back to our podcast series, Advice from Your Advocates. Today, I'm very excited to introduce you to Leanne Ivory, the Director of Marketing and Communications at Ascension Living Pace, Michigan. And I've known Leanne for a long time. She's a wealth of knowledge and just a very cheerful person that I like to hang out with. So Leanne, tell us a little bit about uh, your background and how you got involved with Pace. Well, actually, I started um, in older adult services at age 11 when I knocked on the door of a nursing home and wanted to be a volunteer. That was an amazing experience for me, and it really started a calling of enriching and empowering the lives of older adults and their caregivers. So it started out really early. I've worked in older adult services for now. Bob, I hate to say this, but it's close to 40 years. (laughs) I am now 55 or better myself. But I did start in August of 2015 with PACE. And that has really been really the threshold of where I was meant to be. We opened the next month and I've grown the enrollment from three people in August of 2015 to over 226 um, people as of this month. So I love um, installing in my team. It's all about teamwork, customer service. And so I oversee the marketing and intake team. And that has been a wonderful thing. So two things. First, I see that you're a U of M grad, so go blue. <laughs> yes, I forgot to mention that. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, also PACE stands for a program for all-inclusive care for the elderly. Yes. That's a, that's a mouthful, but it also is very descriptive. Tell us a little bit about the concept of PACE. So the concept of PACE, it's been around for over 40 years. It's non-competitive. Different organizations sponsor it. And what I like to say is rather than explain the acronym, it's for those 55 or better who need all-inclusive care to stay safe in their homes. So what happens is right now, actually, we have, even in Michigan, a ton of programs. We have 14 programs covering 4,000 lives. And what it is as an option for those who are struggling physically with their memory or an unstable health condition to stay in whatever they call home. That home can be living alone. It can be living in an apartment with family or without family. We assess everyone in whatever they call home and we see if we can keep them safe. And if they meet a high level of need, we can then offer them the option of enrolling in PACE. One of the things I think that it also can work with is independent living. Now, a lot of people don't understand the concept of independent living. They think if they're leaving their home, they're going to nursing home. Well, there's a lot of levels. And one of those levels is independent living, which is a more safe and protected environment. But the care is separate. So how would PACE interact with somebody living in an independent living type setting? So that is where we would enroll them. So that independent living could be a senior apartment complex. It's not really an assisted living or anything. And really the beauty about our program is we want to intervene before the challenges get too great so we can keep them in that setting. And we wrap services around them and it's both medical and supportive services. So we actually look very carefully about where are their struggles right now when they reach out to us. And then we have a whole toolkit of services and things that we can put in place from full-time employees with us. And then we then wrap those services around, keep them safe. Not only that, but we can change things. So if anything changes in their situation, we can then real-time put those pieces in place to keep them safe. 
Now, Bob, if down the road, they can no longer stay there safe with their services, then we look to redirect them to maybe a higher level of care. But we don't disenroll them at that point. We actually will join them, let's say, in assisted living or adult foster care. And we will join that team and oversee them in that setting. So they always have pace around in the as an advocate on their behalf, in addition to any family members or folks that are a part of their caring network. You know, it's really interesting. And um, I think it's hard for people to get their head wrapped around the concept of PACE, but it really does what most people imagine that they want, which is to keep you on your home and have have a, uh, a team that's going to look at your plan of care and what you need and and adjust to your needs. And so that's what we all kind of imagine that we want. And yet people have this hard time kind of wrapping their head around it. I'm not sure why. For right now, I think PACE is almost throughout the state. There's a few little holes in the map, but it's almost the entire state, right? Yeah, actually, I have to refer to my notes because we are always growing. And I'm very well versed in the state. We actually have 14 programs. So we do have most of the lower peninsula covered, and we have a new interactive map that allows caregivers and older adults themselves to go on and see if their community is is staffed by a PACE. So basically, if somebody is eligible, they're 55 or better, and they have access to a PACE program by their zip code or their county, then they can be considered. Now, we do, unfortunately, as you referred to, have a couple of what we call PACE islands, and we're working very collaboratively at the state level, and I'm a big part of that, to try to take a look at where those islands are, where nobody has services of PACE, and then we are looking at where is the closest program to serve them. And we're hoping to fill those islands. And the good news is, too, we are looking to expand PACE to the Upper Peninsula. So okay. that's also um, on our map collectively. That's great. Yeah, I have some friends up there. They will be excited about that. So you said something a few minutes ago I wanted you to clarify. You said it's non competitive. Tell the folks uh, what that means by being non competitive. So we are a collaborative model of care and primarily most of the programs, and I've got it, we are actually at 148 PACE programs nationwide and in 32 states serving 60,000 participants. So they participate in their care. And most of those programs, with the exception of a few, are non-competitive and they're nonprofit. So that means it's bottom line about taking care of the individual and collaborating and not spending our money competing with each other, but rolling up our sleeves, coming together and making sure that it's all about the people we serve. So I think that makes a huge difference because if somebody learns a trick of the trade or something that works really well, we share it with each other to become stronger as individual sites. Like the map we created collaboratively because that gives us an opportunity to do some statewide marketing in the future and be able to have a a number, a toll-free number, and also a link where people can find out if there is a PACE program. So I think it's very powerful. And and being over 50 years of collaboration, an amazing gift to those we serve. 
Yeah, no, I think it's a great uh, plan. And so just to kind of have people get perspective, if you were to go to the hospital, you might choose between three or four hospitals, um, even hospice, you know, a lot of people think of hospice as just a thing. And in fact, there's multiple hospices that are all competing against each other. And, you know, the word competing can be confusing sometimes, but there are multiple hospices, all representing different companies with PACE, whatever region you are in, there's only going to be one pace. It's not going to be where you have to pick between the Ascension uh, living pace or some other, you know, right. uh, so it's, yeah. yeah, you don't have to, no one has to worry about who they go to. They just need to know who serves their zip code and County. And if somebody serves and um, even they can call the closest program and we would point them in the right direction and do a warm handover. So, yeah. you know, some industries benefit from the competition, but in our industry, that's not necessarily the case. I think it really benefits us to really put the focus on what care we need to provide to the individuals. Plus, we have oversight centers for Medicaid and Medicaid services, Medicare and Medicaid services, and also Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. So we are, Bob, caring for the chronic long-term illness folks, people that can be very fragile and vulnerable, and we're stepping in to advocate for them and provide what services they need. So we have, throughout the nation, tons of checks and balances and things that we have to report on a regular basis. So it's it's an amazing, amazing safety net of services. Um, I want to kind of dive into this a little bit deeper, but I, I want to add to that um, because there's such um, a vacuum there of need because what we often see, and we've worked with hundreds, probably thousands of families throughout the years here, and the very common scenario is the family and the you know the parents the mom and dad the spouse whatever it is they get to the point where they recognize that there's an issue but they keep saying but we're not ready for help and my answer to that is paces sort of fill that vacuum of but they are ready for help i mean they probably need the medical standard to qualify you know obviously there's a standard that they have to you have to meet but they probably meet that medical standard but the family isn't either emotionally or otherwise prepared for this conversation and what happens is they'll not do anything from the standpoint of bringing in care or getting care or getting outside care or moving to care anything like that Whereas what you're saying is it's important with PACE that we get in at that time, because if it gets too far along, then it's probably not going to be an appropriate PACE, you know, situation that we want to get folks before that terrible crisis that occurs, that they still are uh, mobile potentially, or at least uh, that they can assist in getting into a wheelchair or those types of things. Am I saying that right? Does that come across? Yeah, I, I actually, I want to invite you on the road with me. <laughs> <laughs> you have got it right. And that is that is a challenge. But one of the things I love about PACE is most people who are struggling to maintain their independence and their family members are maybe aware, maybe not so aware, are looking the other way. If they reach out to us and we get the referral, we are the answer to stay in that environment with the support and services. So to me, it's a much easier sell. Let's intervene. Let's keep you safe. 
you don't, we don't want you to go into a nursing home. We don't want you to go into an institution. You feel best at home. And we want to see if we can put things in place to keep you there. And not only that, if anything changes, you'll still have us on your team. So I want to say when you're thinking about family, you're thinking about a spouse, you're thinking about maybe somebody in a senior living, like apartment complex. What I do is I go and I say, boy, you probably have residents who are struggling. Let us know about it because we can put safety net of services in place, take them to appointments, bring them to the day center, put set up medications in their home. We can do services in their home throughout our network and also at our pace center to give them the resources they need and they don't have to leave, leave that apartment complex. They can stay there. Maybe a spouse is caring for somebody and really stressed. We can give them respite care. We can come in and put a whole team of people on that spouse's team to care for his wife or her husband. Um, Family members, the same thing. We like to involve them in the process of intake so they're aware and they can be aware of what PACE is and how it works. But it's a relief to a lot of people to find us and know that they can keep mom or dad safe in their home because no one wants to take them out of that home. And we are there to keep them in that home. So tell me a little bit more about this process. You mentioned a plan of care. And I know from talking to you previously, the plan of care involves a team of different specialties that you put together. So tell us a little bit about that plan of care that each person in PACE has and how that plan of care has come, you know, who's involved in creating that plan of care. So this is the model of care that we all share, no matter where somebody accesses their care. It's PACE model of care. It consists of 11 disciplines that always have to be part of a PACE program. Even when we opened only three people, we had all those disciplines. That would be our medical director, a doctor, a geriatric doctor, a home care nurse, certified nurses aide. So 11 in total eight are medical, the rest are non-medical. And what the PACE um, assessment process of determining criteria three and four, which is, let me go to one and two, 55 or better access to a PACE program, three and four are more, do they have enough needs and can we keep them safe in their home? Mm -hmm. Everyone on that team assesses them individually. Now that might sound like a lot, but we make it pretty easy. The first assessment is in the home with the social worker and intake coordinator, more of a social, let's learn the story. Let's see what's going on. Let's get a sense of where the needs are, request medical records. The next team that goes in is more of a clinical team. We have occupational physical therapy. How do they do walking across the room? What does their bathroom look like? Do they need a raised toilet seat? Do they need a bath bench? Do they need a ramp built to get into the home? So those are all drilled down on in terms of their medical situation. And the third part of the assessment is to have them come to our center where they go into a welcome room and the rest of the disciplines rotate in and out of that room and ask them those questions and get get to know them from their discipline. So, Bob, each of those disciplines has that expertise in geriatrics or older adults, has hands-on experience. And serves as a tremendous resource. So when you think about it, when somebody enrolls into the program, they trade one primary care doctor for this whole team of resources and in collaboration with the medical director to oversee their care. So again, so much 
wealth of information and resources, but we only take out those they need. So we have this huge toolkit we tap into, but that's the model of care. Once those assessments are completed, then we have a meeting to determine, do they meet a high enough need of care? And if so, can we keep them safe in their home? And then that drives the plan of care and whether or not we can admit them to our program. And then we call them with the good news, hopefully. The only sad thing is we do get some people that maybe they don't meet a high enough need. So, you know, if you have a family member and you refer them, maybe we can't meet their need, but we can refer them to other resources in the community. And I I say it's not a a bad thing, but some people are disappointed. They go through the assessment process and they don't have enough need, but at least they know about PACE and we say, give us a call. You know, if something changes down the road, give us a call again, and maybe you'll have high enough need to enroll. One of the things I like about that, uh, that kind of shows you how well PACE has thought through some of these things is part of that team is a transportation expert. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that really causes families a lot of difficulty of trying to make sure that mom or dad or spouse is going to get to their doctor's appointments, get to crucial specialists and things like that. And that's something that PACE incorporates. It is a big part of what we do because we do door through door transportation, not only to medical appointments, clinical appointments, but also to our day center and our hub of our operation. But Bob, I don't even know that you know when we have somebody and we're transporting, we're doing all the paperwork in advance. Mm-hmm. We're submitting all the records. We're getting them pre-approved and all they have to do is show up. Not only that, but we're confirming the night before, picking them up, taking them into the lobby. And if they have memory challenges or some physical challenges that would require a certified nurse aide to go with them to help them on and off the toilet, for example, we'll send a staff member with them. So we cover all our bases because we know what it means to provide that all-inclusive care for older adults. And we make it easy for them to just age in place with pace. Yeah, that's really great. One of the things I also like about pace, uh, with most of the programs out there, if somebody needs physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, those types of things, they'll often get it through Medicare, through sometimes some versions of Medicaid, but uh, it always is going to have a cutoff date. Mm-hmm. And in my personal opinion, and I'm just giving my personal opinion, those cutoff dates are too soon for almost everybody, but particularly anybody that suffered a stroke or something like that, it's the, the physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy could do so much to help recover from that stroke or other things similar to that. And one of the things I know about PACE is you don't cut off physical therapy just because the insurance company says to do it after seven weeks or nine weeks or whatever, that it could continue and that there's no one out there saying, no, you can't do that anymore. Right. Yeah. And you're right, Bob, because we are not limited by reimbursement. We are doing what's best for that person to maintain their health and their dignity and their independence in that home setting. So yes, if somebody's had a stroke and their benefits have been used, and that happens way too quick, because once they stop progressing, they're no longer going to pay for that therapy, but it's measurable progression. And with therapy, you can keep working with them and get them out of wheelchairs 
get them out of walkers. And we're doing that. So if it's important to them or it's important for their safety, we will keep working with them. And I have personally seen people that were in wheelchairs, one lady in particular, very spunky. I saw her walk out of our lobby the other day and she has always been in a powered wheelchair the whole time I've known her. And I said, oh my gosh, how did you do that? She said, I'm so proud of myself. I work so hard and look, I can walk again. Now, I'm not saying that's possible with everyone, but we don't make that determination. If they want to keep working, we are there to help them. So that is an amazing part of our program is the physical, the um, occupational therapy. And again, we know what's going on inside their house. So we can go inside and help out, retrofit the house, you know, rearrange the um, canned goods in the kitchen so that they can reach them better. We are not only helpers inside their house and in the center, but also throughout the network that we navigate with them, for them. And so if, for example, they needed a ramp to get into their house uh, better, um, how can PACE participate in that? So I'm thinking about a woman that we had just recently, and we have built a lot of ramps, I will say, who never came out of her house for three years because her family couldn't get her out. They were taking care of her, but she physically couldn't leave that bed. Once she enrolled in PACE, we enroll by the 24th of the month, and then they start with us the first of the next month. We have on our radar, that house needs a ramp because we need to be able to take her out for medical appointments Mm -hmm. and give her the care she needs. So on day one, we were out there building that ramp. She now can come to the center, make new friends. She loves to do puzzles. It's like a whole new life for her to just get on the bus and look outside the window and see how her neighborhood has changed. So that's part of the miracle we bring each and every month to new people. Sometimes we find them and their families bumping them down the stairs and that's not safe. So that first step would be a ramp. Nice. Yeah, that's really great. One of the things that uh, I've had an opportunity to do is go visit the PACE Center. And there's a couple of things that stood out to me uh, about PACE. First of all, like you said, the PACE Center is one of the sort of foundations and central uh, uh, parts of PACE. And so uh, just the... uh, um, culture or attitude at pace. Um, I've been to some places that are more residential places and there tends to, in some places, not everywhere, but there are some places that have sort of a, um, a, a more dour attitude. And that's not ever an experience that I've had when I visited pace. It's so upbeat and positive and sort of fulfilling both by the staff, which is amazing that you can you know, have a staff that it stays positive all the time, but also the people that are there, the, the people that are receiving the services. And one thing that I often talk about, and I have a, a person I just sent you that might help out with this, is some of the folks will, if they have a special skill, they might teach the other people there. So some of the people that are receiving pay services I remember when I was there one time and somebody was teaching a ceramics class or something like that. I was going to tell you, I just sent you somebody who does knitting and she would be really happy to teach others knitting. And she knit, uh, she was telling me she knit like 500 of these little 
things for, uh, I think it was for the uh, active military or something like that, or veterans. And I was like, oh, you could just get a whole, you know, group of, of folks there at Pace all doing those little packages for the for the veterans. And so right. you know, hopefully that Well, works. thank you for sending her our way. And we'll, of course, keep in touch with you and let you know the outcome. But you hit on it. Um, I often say everyone needs a reason to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. So first of all, if you take them from their home, they lose that reason in a lot of instances. So we're keeping them in their homes. So they got a reason to get out of bed. But not only that, we bring them to the day center. And it depends on how much they want to come and what their need is. But the day center is amazing. We have music, we have crafts, we have meals, we have entertainment, we... It just lots of reasons to get out of bed, Bob, and you have seen it in action. Now, during COVID, we had to pause it because safety was of the utmost concern. But the good news is, Bob, that as of this next week, we are reopening full time. Oh, that's fantastic. So we, we are so excited. And what we will be doing is serving a main meal for everyone with the help of Flint Fresh. Mm -hmm. And what we will do is bring in a group in the morning. And then they will have the meal and then a group that comes in in the afternoon, starting with the meal and then having the afternoon, because, of course, our census has grown a lot during COVID. We've been very fortunate that those seeds that we planted have grown and we now have a lot of people to serve. So we'll need to do it in two steps. But we look forward to that. And a knitting course is definitely um, an option because, again, um, people want to feel like they're part of something. They, the people we serve may be very isolated in their home. They come to the center. They remember their leisure activities. They remember their love of music. They meet new friends. They teach classes. It's, it's just an amazing, amazing opportunity. And it's just a fraction of what we do at Pace. But it's a very important thing. And it's been hard for us to have that closed. But we definitely celebrate the ability to bring people back together safely. Uh, it, that's absolutely been my experience with PACE, and uh, it is a program that's supported by Medicaid, mm-hmm. and so uh, while you could private pay to participate in PACE, there is currently an income limit uh, if you want to get PACE without paying for it, right? Correct, correct. And that's where wonderful elder law attorneys like you come into play. Yeah. So when we get a call and if one of the first questions we ask is, is your income over 2,523 per person gross per month? And we hold our breath. And if it is below that, they might not even know they have access to our Medicaid. So the income threshold for our Medicaid and Medicaid waiver is a higher income threshold, which is a beautiful thing. So they come to us and they're below that threshold. They may need some assistance because they might have some assets and they might have some things that they need to rearrange. And then we get them to the right party to do that. But when they come back to us and they're Medicaid approved, they don't pay anything. So medications, transportation, incontinence supplies, durable medical equipment, food, the day center, whatever they have in their personalized plan of care, 
we take care of at 100% without copayments and deductibles. So many people that were paying for medications or paying for their incontinence supplies, those dollars go back in their pocket. And there are people that are above that income threshold who do decide to enroll in PACE. Now, we don't have a lot in our area, but like in Traverse City, they see the value of that. So mm-hmm. they're paying over 5000 a month for the program, which is a lot, but they get the, all the quality services they need to stay in whatever they call home. But in our area, as you can imagine, a lot of people come to us and they're below that threshold. And when we say, do you want to pay 5000 to be a part of this program? Or would you like us to apply for Medicaid? And then you pay nothing. It's a no-brainer for them. They're usually really excited about that. There's a couple of uh, fine points I'd like to highlight there. One is that it's an individual income. So a lot of times, if you've been married 60 years, you don't really think about your individual income anymore. You think about your family income. Right. You don't have to do that with PACE. Mm-hmm. So we frequently will have somebody where one spouse is eligible for this and the other for for the uh, the subsidy, and the other one is not, uh, and that's because of this income limit. Leanne, you know that I've been working to try to get that income limit removed, and I'm going to go get on my soapbox just for a second here to say <laughs> that it's it's important that we think about this, and all the state would have to do to get that income limit removed is amend their Medicaid plan. And my, I just learned a couple of weeks ago that they have to submit a new Medicaid plan October of 2023. So I'm looking at that as my deadline. Right? <laughs> the, the, the people that have the ability to do this to request an amendment to the Medicaid plan to ask for income set aside so that we don't have the strict income limit. And if you think about it, this makes a lot of sense to not have an income limit. Why is it two things? I, I'm going to get up on my soapbox for just a minute here. Two things. One is, is it fair that somebody that has 2000 I'm sorry, yeah, $2,524 in income mm-hmm. cannot qualify, but somebody that has $2,222 in income does? Over you know $2, sometimes one penny, it could make the difference as to whether you qualify or not. That doesn't make sense. Right. The second thing is the history of the state of Michigan. We tend to, especially in this area, uh, in the in the Flint area, we tend to be very proud of our, our history of, mm-hmm. you know, workers' rights and the unions and things like that. And uh, our our grandfathers and all of that fought for um, wage and hour laws and uh, pensions and things like that. And now we're, the folks that get those pensions are being penalized mm-hmm. because if they run out of money and think about this, regardless of any of the other planning that we do to protect assets and protect money, which is something that we do. Right. But if you Even if you don't do anything to protect assets or protect money, if you run out of money and you get a GM pension or a teacher's pension, there's a pretty good chance that you're not going to get any Medicaid except in a full nursing home, meaning no home care Medicaid, no PACE Medicaid. And that's simply because you worked as a teacher or you worked uh, as a as a union member. And yet, you know, someone else could qualify for that. And not only that, <laughs> other states have a workaround for that. 
So now we're penalizing our Michigan residents, our Michigan seniors, because they live in Michigan and because our, our grandfathers and grandmothers fought for better workers' rights. That, doesn't, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I, I, I really think there's a strong argument about why we should lift this income limit for, it's basically the, the two programs that are most affected by this are the PACE program and the My Choice Waiver program. Right. So I'm not going to make you comment on that because I no, but I would just say keep that soapbox going because I think it is a shame when somebody you know five thousand dollars is a lot to pay for our program. So if we were able to look at that and keep them in their homes, that's still a lot less money for the government than paying for a stay in a nursing home. And let's talk about quality, quality of life, having a reason to get out of bed. Aging in place is the way to do it. Still connected to your community and in your home that you've worked hard to maintain. So any support that you need from us at the statewide level, we'd be happy to participate in that, Bob. I think it's an important, very critical discussion to be had. And if you're one of the listeners and you are part of a group that has a lobbyist or has influence uh, within the state, um, you know, your union, uh, any organization that you're part of, uh, get all of me. I'll, I'll be happy to see if we can kind of collaborate to try to put some uh, political pressure to uh, make this change, because it's not like we need to pass a law. The law is there. We can make this change. The state just has to request it. So the state, basically through the Department of Health and Human Services, I believe, I would have to request um, this change to their to the state's Medicaid plan. One other thing I wanted to mention about what you said is that sometimes, and, and a good portion of time, people are going to have other qualifications they need to do to qualify for Medicaid. And that's where I come in. So uh, we were able to help folks that might not qualify for Medicaid qualify for PACE in particular, even though they might be over the asset threshold. So there's a difference between assets and income. Previously, we were talking about income. This is the asset asset threshold. And that's something that there's a number of things written in the law, some strategies that we're allowed to use and are, are well accepted that we're able to help qualify folks uh, and still protect um, their assets and, and things like that. So, um, well, Leanne, is there anything else that we've missed about PACE that you want to mention so that folks can know about this and tell others about it. <laughs> yeah, I would just put a plug in for all of our amazing referral partners out there because a lot of our really solid report, we take all calls and there somebody will be better off because they called us, even if PACE isn't the answer because we make referrals over to the area agency on aging to private duty companies. There are a lot of options, but sometimes it's really having a trusted resource to reach out to and start looking at those options. But I would say our case managers, our social workers, even service coordinators of um, senior housing complex, we're so blessed to have them knowledgeable about this as well as anyone else. Send the calls our way, send the referrals, because if we can help them, I'll tell you, it can be a game changer for them. If we enroll them and they see all the things that we can do for them, the sad part, Bob, is those people behind closed doors 
who are struggling, taking care of somebody or doing it on their own, afraid to reach out because they might go to a nursing home. We could go in there and totally make a difference in their life, but they don't even know about us. So I would just say, spread the word, spread the word, and just let people know about PACE as an option and really get the calls in and we will point them in the right direction. And lastly, I always like to close on this note. You talked about the energy between our walls. We have a lot of it. People are there because they want to be there. We really haven't had a problem during COVID retaining staff because they're keeping people out of nursing homes. And a lot of them came from the nursing home environment. So I always think about the quote by Maya Angelou, which is people will forget what they heard. They'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you've made them feel. And people that come into us and receive our help, they feel really good about that as an option and feel very cared for. So I would say just thank you for helping us spread the word. Well, thanks, Leanne. And uh, you mentioned social workers and case managers. Uh, I got to put in my plug for our our annual uh, boot camp. Our elder advocacy and law boot camp uh, is scheduled for next year, April 21st. It's a Friday. And it's designed for people within the professionals in the long-term care industry, particularly uh, social workers, case managers, uh, and nursing home administrators. Uh, we're offering five continuing education credits this year. Uh, like we did last year, we're going to do both in in-person. And we strongly encourage you to come to the in-person one because it's way more fun. Uh, <laughs> but you can also do the online version. But I'll tell you what, it's way more fun in person. So thank you, Leanne. Thank you. And can I put a plug in? Really an amazing event. And our social workers who are very busy, that's their big bang. They want to go to your event because they get so much out of it. So I would would definitely endorse that for sure. Thank you. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you, Bob. Okay. Thanks. We'll see you next time. 